For one and a half years in college, I worked as a bank teller. Some Fridays were frenetic. The drive-thru was full, the lobby was full, customers were repelling from the roof. Deposits, withdrawals, money orders, cashier's checks, cashing checks, balance checks, rice checks. It was busy, all the way until we flipped the drive-thru light to red and locked the doors. And then there were those other days. Tuesdays. Nobody in the drive-thru, nobody in the lobby, not even a bird on the roof. During those times, I had time to read, study. I even had time to crochet a quilt if I knew how to crochet a quilt. Then one afternoon, our branch manager got the bright idea to give us something to look forward to on those days we had nothing to look forward to. I still remember the announcement. Have your attention, please. Um, So far, this branch has never been robbed. Well, that got my attention. Uh, Many of us don't know what we would do if we did get robbed. I'm still listening, manager. So I've arranged a mock robbery with the Florissant Police Department. He told us they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to shoot you. Probably going to yell very unkind things about you and about your mother. But on Monday, September 6th, we're going to stage a mock robbery now. Everybody, go back to your books. I thought about Monday, September 6th for weeks. I tried to mentally prepare for what to do. I know what to do. I've heard what to do. I've been trained what to do. Get a description of the robbers. See what they were driving. Get a license plate number if you can. Memorize the license plate number. (laughs) I can do that. Then, the next day was September 6th, the day for the mock robbery. We served all our customers. We locked the front doors at closing. We were good bank tellers. And then at 6 p.m., we flipped the drive through light to red, and the bank was quiet. That's when a couple fluorescent police officers came into the bank, and they took their place in line. I figured it out. I had initially thought it was going to be an action-packed bank robbery with guns blazing, but it's not. This is going to be one of those note robberies. They want to see how we will respond when a fellow teller is being robbed. I may not even get robbed. Most robberies are through note. How will we respond? Will we play hero? Will we press the red button? Will we give the bait money? Will we give the robbers the die pack? Will we do nothing? I watched these officers, these mock robbers, like a hawk with bifocals. I just hoped they didn't come to my window, but if they did, I was ready. I studied them for tattoos, piercings, height, weight, eye color, hair color. I fixed my gaze on those two officers in line. I never saw the other guys coming. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to a preacher and a tax collector go to church on Simplify. At least two, maybe three. There could have been four, up to five, burst through the front door, screaming and waving weapons. Everybody on the floor! I froze. I, I, I tried to get a look at them, but they ran to the bank and jumped over the counter before I really could. I, I just stood there frozen. They jumped on the counter and yelled at me to get on the floor, get my head on the floor. I laid on the floor. I covered my head with my hands. They rummaged through the tills until they had what they came for. They jumped back over the counter and ran back out the front door. It felt like they were there for a day. They were only there for a minute. After the mock robbery, the detective sat down with each of us and asked us to describe the robbers. Some of us said there were two. Some said there were five. They had shotguns. No, they had handguns. No, they only had water guns. The lead guy was tall. No, he was short. He was blonde. He was bald. We could not get our story straight. 
we failed the mock robbery. And I don't know how. Our branch manager prophesied to us they were coming. We knew when they were coming. He prophesied to us what they were going to do. They were going to rob the place. We knew what they were coming to do. We were mentally prepared for weeks. But on the night they came, I missed them because I didn't expect them to come the way they came. But I'm not alone. The entire first century world missed Jesus when he came. The people in his world knew Jesus was coming. The prophets prophesied he was coming. They just knew he was coming in pomp and power to kick out the flavor of the month invading army, take his rightful place on a throne of ivory. We just knew he was coming in majesty. That's why so many missed him when he came in humility. 33 years of humility lined both sides of the road from the manger to the cross. Jesus was the only baby in human history to choose his family. He could have chosen a king. He chose a carpenter. Jesus could have recruited disciples like a college coach recruits players, looking for the strongest, fastest, best, brightest, five-star blue-chip players he could find. Yet he intentionally chose a dream team of 12 very ordinary men to change the world. Humility. That's how he came. Almighty God humbled himself. The Romans who crucified him, they did not humble him. And the Jews who hated him did not humble him. The Gentiles who misunderstood him did not humble him. He humbled himself. At the heart of the gospel is this beautiful portrait of holy humility. Jesus laid down his life, exchanging his life for our soul. For us to be holy, to be like Jesus, we must be humble. There is no room in the gospel or in God's church for pride or self-righteousness, only humility. Humility is at the heart of the gospel and at the heart of a story Jesus told in Luke 18, the day a preacher and a tax collector went to church. The preacher was called a Pharisee. The tax collector was called a publican. Not a Republican, just a publican. When Jesus said Pharisee, the Pharisees cheered because they knew the good guys on the noble steeds had just ridden into town to save the day. But when Jesus said publican, the Pharisees scowled and booed. Here came the bad guys on the barnyard nags to ruin the day. Their world was very simple. Pharisee meant good guy, religious guy, holy guy, better than you guy. Publican meant bad guy, wretched guy, worse than you guy. In their world, Pharisee meant saint, publican meant sinner. But the Pharisees were more than just good guys among everybody else. They cut ties with everybody else. Pharisees wouldn't dare deliver your pizza or change your oil. Those common jobs were reserved for the common folk. They would never invite you over to their holy house for lasagna, and they would never dare step their freshly washed feet in your filthy, sin-stained house. Their holiness was a better-than-you badge of self-righteousness, and they polished that badge when they went to church. The Pharisee made his way through the crowded streets and into the less-than-crowded temple. He found a place to pray way away from everybody else, but well within view of everybody else. He stood up and lifted up his voice, and he prayed, I thank God that I am not a sinner like everybody else. I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that wretched, wicked tax collector. I fast twice a week. I tithe on everything I own. The Pharisee felt like a mountain of holiness compared to the molehill of sinful society kneeling over there across the room. But somebody once wisely said that mountains and molehills both blush when they look at the stars. That's why our gaze needs to be fixed on Jesus. And when we see him, the only right response is humility. 
as much as the Pharisee had done right, the publican knew he had done wrong. Publican was a curse word for a cursed tax collector. In the first century and the 21st century, very few people want tax collector on their business card. Most of the publicans were actually Jews who sold themselves to do Rome's dirty work and tax and gouge their own family. Their brothers. At the basement of public opinion were murderers, robbers, and publicans. Yet something beat inside his hurting heart that drove him to the temple when it was time to pray. He was welcome in the house of God. Aren't you glad? Because if he was welcome, so are we. As he winded his way toward the temple, he had to dodge bitter glances and bitter words until he came into the temple. And it was so beautiful. So pure, so holy. He was so wretched, so unworthy. When he looked across the room, he saw the proud Pharisee praying, and he just knew he would never be holy like him. But the publican's prayer was different from the Pharisee's. He didn't have good deeds to parade before God, nothing to make God even want to pay attention to his prayer. He had made a handsome living gouging his own brothers out of their meager money. Why was he even here? He had never felt so unholy like he felt in the presence of such a holy God. He couldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven. He bowed down on the ground, beat his chest with his fist, and cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. No excuses. No justifying himself for what he'd done and the way he'd lived. Well, i got to make a living. If he truly repented, Jewish law demanded he give back everything he had ever stolen, plus 20%. Repentance was literally going to cost him. But still knowing all that, and knowing that God was going to change his life and the way he lived his life, he still came to church, he still came to the altar, and he still prayed his repentant prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've got good news for sinners. God is still merciful. And you don't have to pray polished, professional prayers to get God's attention in his mercy. This publican prayed seven words, and God answered his prayer. Not because it was a prescribed prayer from a book, but because it was a sincere prayer from his heart. If you have ever felt unworthy to be in God's holy presence because you're not holy, you're in the right place with the right attitude to be forgiven. If all you pray is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, God will hear and answer your prayer and be merciful to you. If anybody missed the point of Jesus' parable, Jesus gladly filled in the blanks. Let me tell you who the real good guy and the real bad guy in this story are. The publican, the sinner, went to his house justified, forgiven, declared righteous. More so than the Pharisee, because the publican came to God's house with a humble heart, unlike the Pharisee. Great news for publicans. There's still room in God's house and church for you. Bad news for the Pharisee, there's no room for you until you are willing to repent and pray the same prayer as the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Had he come humble, he would have left forgiven because there's mercy aplenty at the altar. But the way we will leave the altar depends on the way we come to the altar. If we come to God proud, we will leave sinful. But if we come to God humble, we will leave forgiven. I don't know about you, 
but I have no good deeds to parade before God to make him proud or impress him. So today, I'm going to pray a very simple seven-word prayer, and I would ask you to pray it with me. And then I believe if you will pray that with humility in your heart, and I will pray it with humility in mine, both of us will be forgiven. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't have good deeds to parade before you. I don't have anything that would impress you or cause you to look my way. I just simply pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me for the, well, the wickedness I have done. Forgive me for the sin in my life. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive those who are listening. Help us to be humble. Help us to have the right attitude. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our self-righteousness. Forgive us if we've ever made anybody feel unworthy or unwelcome to come into your presence. Please be merciful to me, a sinner. I praise you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. I pray this has been a help to you and a blessing to you and your walk with God. God is so abundantly merciful. Don't be afraid to pray that prayer of the publican and you will find yourself forgiven. Be sure to click subscribe and share so you won't miss an episode and none of your friends have to miss an episode either. And when you finish listening to this, head on over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick up a few resources. You can pick up Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast, and 10 Words. A practical look at the Ten Commandments, both available at PentecostalPublishing.com, also Amazon, also here in Paragraphs Bookstore in charming Colonial Mount Vernon, Ohio. And Ten Words is available on Audible if you would rather listen rather than read. Our download count is right at 94,000, so we're still climbing, getting closer and closer to 100,000 downloads. Super excited and honored to get to be a part of your devotional life and your walk with Jesus. Next week, at least in these United States, we celebrate Mother's Day. Really, we should celebrate mothers every day, but we especially celebrate them on the second Sunday of May, and I want to share with you the devotion about Mother's Day on Mother's Day. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.